Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to C3 Corumbans podcast. We want you to know that you are loved by a God who is love. So good to have you with us. Why don't you enjoy this week's sermon? Great to see you. Welcome, if we haven't met yet. My name is Dan. My wife, Hannah, and I get the honour of leading this incredible church. And this is actually our last Sunday before long service leave. So it is great to see you. We have been, uh, I've been on staff 16 and a half years. And um, we've been, November, we've been leading the church seven years. From wonderful Eric and Christine Harrison. I saw them earlier. There they are. Incredible. And uh, it's been such a good thing. We've been planning this for five years, but our kids were kind of babies when I was able to take it. And I was like, I want to do a trip not changing nappies and waking up through the night. So anyway, we've been saving and planning and uh, we start tomorrow. So Thursday, we're going to fly to Cairns for 12 nights of warm weather and pina coladas. No, just kidding. I don't just... Non-alcoholic. And... Uh, we So 12 nights up there, and then we're going to come back. I've got a day, and then I'm going to pick up my brother Chris's van, and it's got um, solar panels on the roof. It's got a fridge in it. It's got mattresses and drawers, and we have eight and a half, nine weeks in this van. And so I'm going to drive to Tasmania by myself, literally. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the van and Airbnbs. Uh, and so, but I'm going to drive to Tassie uh, for four days by myself, surfing my way down, which I'm pretty excited for. And then I get there on a Monday and have the kids fly down. We've got three weeks around Tassie, come back to Melbourne and five weeks from Melbourne home, pulling into Canberra to see some friends of mine that just took on a church there. So we're very excited. We're going to be back first week of November. And uh, if you missed the email, just to let you guys know, the team are more than competent and, and ready to go. So so it'll be led by the incredible team here. Pastor Graham, as our executive pastor for many, many years, will oversee the church. We've got Kim, who wherever she is, she runs all of our finances and business policies. We've got John next to her with Lee. They're going to run people, sozo, new people, visitors. And then we've got Dan's running youth, Mikey doing young adults. The team is here, the Fossils, the pastors running pastoral care and families and sozo leaders doing their incredible job as well. So you guys are in good hands. Uh, my main concern is that halfway through, I get an email from Graham saying I'm fired because the church is going so well, they realize you didn't need me. So I might have to sabotage it somehow. We'll see how we go. But no, we are excited. And we want to thank you guys. We, um, it's, <laughs> it is such an honor to get to do what we do. Um, if I'm honest, I just, I, I like chatting to a lot of other pastors, older and, you know, people who have done this journey before and seeing what they would change. And something I hear just again and again was people, I mean, a lot of people who are older than me planted it. It was such tough situations when they planted and long services wasn't an option. And one of them, a lot of them were like, we wish we could have taken long service. Some other ones even cashed it in and just took the money and put it on their mortgage. And so just resoundingly again and again, people like, take your long service. Just be with the kids when they're this young. So thank you to the team who are allowing us to do this. You guys are amazing. And uh, we are so excited for what God is going to do while we're away. Uh, it's his church, amen? And he's building it. And uh, that's the beautiful thing. There's so many things I can't do. I, I cannot give a revelation. I cannot save someone. I cannot heal someone. That's all the work of God anyway. So he's going to keep doing it whether we're here or not. And so we're confident it's in good hands. If you've got your Bible, head on over to First John. We're, we're in chapter 4 now. If you're new with us, we've been going through the uh, book of First John most of this year. We're doing a seven-month 
journey through 1 John and the sub-theme is walking in Him together. What does it look like? What does it mean for us to work out our salvation, grow in Christ as a body of Christ, as a church family? And what we believe wholeheartedly is that the New Testament does not support the idea of individualized sanctification. Sanctification is growing in your salvation, working out your salvation. It's the the rest of your life here on earth from being saved till we go to heaven to be with Him. That whole process is sanctification, becoming uh, sanctified, set apart or holy. And it never talks about an individual. Do that by yourself. All of Paul's letters are to churches, except for Philemon. Uh, John writes here to churches. This is about a a local body of believers that you were saved into. And so we want to grow in that together. What does it look like growing in Christ together? And this passage, I've got to be honest, it's not one I wanted to finish with before long service. I wanted something nicer and easier and funner. And I've got false prophets. And then I also thought, well, it's probably a good message to preach on before I go to... uh, to stop anyone running up and grabbing the mic thinking it's open mic night or something like that. So anyway, let's read what the Bible says to us. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many, that's crazy, many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. I think that's it, Denzel. There wasn't anything else, was there? Oh, there is. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, well, that person is not from God. Such a person has the Spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. It was here in 100 AD. It is still here today. So let's pray about this passage. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. It's a beautiful thing. We thank you in Hebrews 4.12 when it says your word is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. God, I pray that's the word we rejoice in. That's the word we give our lives to. That's the word we find hope in. That's the word we we build our future on. God, help us to love your word that much and cherish your word that much, trust your word that much. And God, I thank you today that you would speak through me. Help us all to get fresh revelation from your powerful words here. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Once again, this is quite a pastoral letter from John as he writes this letter to uh, many churches that he oversaw. Some people will say that as John wrote Revelation at the start, he writes to seven churches. There are actually seven churches he oversaw pastorally. And some people think these letters are written to these churches as well. Either way, it's a very pastoral letter, very pastoral tones are all through here. And something he's big on as a pastor is, hey guys, you need to know, you need to test, you need to think about who to listen to and who not to listen to. If there was a message that I could leave with you for 12 weeks in an age of YouTube and podcasts and Instagram and millions of preachers out there, it would be one thing about who to listen to and who not to listen to. I know this actually specifically says prophets, but I do believe that John is writing to the church and speaking about voices 
I want to include preachers in this as well today. I want to talk about people who claim to be of God and give a word of God. And who do we listen to and who do we not listen to? Well, some big broad brushstrokes here. If, you, if you've heard me speak much, something I try to endeavour to do, it's never to tell you guys what people to listen to, what preachers today to listen to and not listen to. That would become almost cultish in my opinion. That's where I'm telling you who to listen to and not listen to. Instead, I'm trying to help us discover biblical truths together. A win for me is not when you don't listen to someone because I told you not to listen to them, but you listen to them and something doesn't sit right. That's a win to me because it means you're in your Bible enough and it means that the Holy Spirit's in you as well, leading you and guiding you and you're hearing something that just sounds off. That's how we know, maybe not the spirit of Antichrist, but this false teaching, false prophet is alive and powerful still today. Uh, Yeah, I won't go any further down those. A couple of things that I want to bring out about this. I think John gives us some lessons here then. Big picture lessons. Who do we know who to listen to? Who do we know who we can trust? How do we, how do, what are we looking for here? Because I think it's important that we do learn this. Sometimes, um, you know, I, I try to touch on this from time to time, but it, it, just so we're all aware of the church we're endeavouring as a team to create, we are most definitely Pentecostal continuationists. We are not cessationists. Cessationists will believe and, and go for it, at the end of the first century, that the gifts of God mentioned in the New Testament died out with those original apostles and disciples. They were never intended to be carried on. That's a cessationist. I personally, I'm not going to teach against that today. I'm just going to say I don't have that conviction. When I read the Bible, especially studying the first 400 years of Christianity and seeing how the gifts flourished under many more people like Polycarp and Ignatius, the gifts continued for, for many years. And yes, they stopped. We could argue about whether that's just because of what Paul writes to Timothy and he says, fan into flame, the gift that was imparted to you through the laying on of hands. Sometimes the gift needs to be worked on and acted on and grown in. So we could argue why the gifts weren't there for about a thousand years before coming back in some way. But anyway, big picture, we're continuationists. I believe gifts are here. I believe the gifts of the Spirit are meant to flow. I also want us to see that the gifts are meant to serve a purpose. And the person with the gift is never meant to be elevated above someone else without the gift. But the gift is given for the edifying and building up of the body of Christ. It needs to remain our priority. The absolute central truth when talking about gifts. I know I talk on this verse a lot, but it's just so frightening and important to me is Matthew 7. 21 to 23, and some of you already know where I'm going to go. It's so important to me. We see this as Pentecostal continuationists. And the end of times, Jesus said this, many, not a few, many people are going to come to me and say, Lord, I cast out demons in your name. I prophesied in your name. I healed the sick in your name. And Jesus will look at them and say, get away from me because I never knew you, you who break God's law. Holy heck. (laughs) Let's bring a whole new element, isn't it, to the gifts of the Spirit and a study on that. What it's saying is it's possible. I'm not going to start highlighting who these people are, but it is possible for gifts to flow in the church. 
yet us to be rebuked by our Saviour at the end of times because we didn't prioritise intimacy with Christ. We didn't keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is always a relationship with Jesus. Everything else serves that. But if we get caught up in cool or exciting, then sometimes we can lose sight of the important. Uh, you know, it's not a perfect analogy, but it's like when people come to me and they're like, oh, my marriage is in a great spot, but there's this other person at work and it's exciting and there's this and there's that. It's like, of course. <laughs> of course it is. They don't know you. <laughs> I was chatting with a pastor this week and this guy just being honest, he's like, oh, I just find it hard, you know. Women are complimenting and they're praising and then this, that. And I'm like, of course, they don't know you. Your, your wife knows you. <laughs> oh, I'd rather trust Anna's rebuke than some other random's compliment because she knows me. Sometimes we chase the exciting instead of prioritising what's really important. And sometimes waking up early in the morning, tired, making a coffee and sitting there and trying to talk with Jesus isn't romantic or exciting, but it's important. And other times going to a meeting when there's people shaking and screaming and hissing and prophetic words coming out, I'm not against those things, but sometimes like, yeah, bring it on. But if Jesus isn't there, why do we want it? Let's keep the main thing, the main thing. There's three things I want to pull out of this passage to help us. Um, once again, I'm not going to hone in. The goal of today isn't to, this per, don't trust this person, trust that. It's just big picture. Really, really, really big picture things. Number one, a prophet or a preacher should be submitted, fully submitted to the Lordship of Christ and His Word. Verse 2, this is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. I believe this passage is actually, that, what that means is so much deeper than that. It's not saying, yeah, I believe that Jesus is real. I believe He actually walked to the earth. Now I'm good to go. I believe this is like a proclamation. This is like, how do we know someone is a prophet, a teacher of God, a prophet of God? Their, their life proclaims the incarnation of Christ. Like if you actually believe that God became man and walked this earth, He was incarnate on this earth, fulfilled the law, died a perfect, sinless, atoning death on the cross, Roman crucifixion, rose again bodily, appeared to up to 500 people, 1 Corinthians 15 will say, and then ascended to heaven and is still at work in a glorified body, interceding for all the believers today. If you actually believe that, then I'm not looking for you to go, yeah, Dan, I believe it. I'm looking for your life to tell me you believe it. Oh, yeah, 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 that's all good. I believe it too. No, no, no. There's a shift and there's a change in priorities and there's a change in how you treat people. Your life will proclaim the incarnation of Christ. That's the first thing I'm looking for in a preacher or a prophet. I'm looking for someone in love with Jesus. I'm looking for someone committed to Him, convinced He's real, submitted to the Lordship of Christ. I had lunch with Graham and Mark the other day and we were just referring to someone, American preacher, a couple of decades ago. Anyway, went to prison for some messed up stuff and uh, he was getting interviewed 
And they said, oh, we just need to find out. Like, this guy was a preacher traveling around America and the world, like, big name. Ended up doing, obviously, breaking the law, going to prison. He's getting interviewed in prison. And the reporter said, when did you fall? When did you stop loving Jesus? And the response, I remember being like a teenager and hearing this. The response never left me. said, I never stopped loving Jesus. I stopped fearing him. How profound. I never stopped loving him. Who here doesn't love the fact that because of the finished work of what he did on the cross and nothing you've got to do, you get to go to heaven for eternity with him? Who doesn't love that fact? Uh, I, um, it's not hard for me to find people who love that. It's hard for me to find people who will submit their lives to that, work out their salvation with fear and trembling, not be the Lord of their own life and do what they want to do, but make him Lord every day. <sighs> Recognize what Robert Robertson, the, the hymnist, when he wrote those beautiful words in Come Thou Fount, when he said, I'm prone to wander, Lord, I feel it prone to leave the God I love. So here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. I'm so prone to be my own God. I'm so prone to lead my own life. I'm so prone to do what I want when I want. So what have I got to do daily? Resubmit myself to Jesus. You're King. You're Lord. You're in control. And here's the reason it's important. Here's what we need to constantly remind ourselves of. Every gift God gives will entice you to focus on the gift and walk away from the giver. Every single one of them. You, 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 some people ask me, why is there suffering still in the world? Why is there sickness still in the world? I'm like, I'll tell you why there's suffering and sickness. Show me a Christian who loves God going through a tough season and compare them to a Christian who loves God going through a really easy season. Show me which one's praying more. Show me which one's pushing into God more. Show me which one's studying their word more. Show me which one's fasting because they're crying out for an answer. Show me which one is pushing into intimacy with Christ. I've got to be honest. It's the people going through a tough time. Why? Because sometimes the gift of blessing and health and finances actually becomes our undoing. Just remember that the Western world Definitely, United Kingdom, most of Europe, Australia, and in the next handful of years, America, we're, we're post-Christian. Let that sink in. We're not a Christian nation anymore. Why? Because for too many years, we focused on the things of Jesus without Jesus. And so now we're sitting here in this post-Christian nation because we focused on the gifts rather than the giver. When it comes to prophecy, when it comes to preaching, we need to see that and all the other gifts, ascension gifts of Ephesians 4 or the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, whatever, all those gifts are given, they should be given to foster intimacy with Christ. I'm trying not to get off topic and go down something else, but okay, if you're taking notes, Ephesians 4, just write down Ephesians 4, write down verse uh, 7, to 14. And what you're going to read is the ascension gifts. Literally says, as Jesus ascended to heaven, he gave gifts to men. Some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be pastors, some to be evangelists, some to be teachers. And those gifts, okay, they're called the ascension gifts, are actually people 
But we need to see what the gifts are for because sometimes we elevate the gift. For the equipping of the saints, for the doing of ministry, until we all come to a unity in the faith and a knowledge of the Son. What are the gifts given for? Church to be one body in unity and for us to grow in our knowledge of who Jesus is. That's what the gifts are given for. And sometimes we see, especially in charismatic circles, it drifts so far away from Christ to become this kind of strange thing. And once again, I'm trying to say, how do we fight to long for the gifts of the Spirit to flow in a Christ-centered, Jesus-glorifying way? Because Satan is always trying to get you to prioritise the gift, be lured away with the gift and walk away from God who gave the gift. That's how he fell. I'm, I'm, trust, you got to come with Come on. Take notes again. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 14. It's about some debate on it. Most people will say it's about the fall of Satan in the middle. In verses 10, 11, 12, I think it is. We read about this and he goes, You said to yourself, I will take my throne and place it above God's throne. But you've been cast down to the ground. What was Satan's undoing? He tried to be God. He, tr- he didn't want to be under God and he submitted to God anymore. He wanted to be number one. When Paul writes to Timothy, 1 Timothy 3, about what elders and leaders should look like in the church. What was one of the things he says? Don't, don't pick an immature believer. Don't pick a new believer. Why? Because there's a chance pride will get in their heart and they will fall like Satan. Isn't that big? So suddenly we're, we're, I'm not even doing a deep dive into what are gifts and how do we get them and how do we grow in them. I'm just trying to keep the main thing the main thing. The gift is given to remain submitted to Christ. And Satan will always try to get people to be filled with pride about their gift. Don't pick a new leader, as a new Christian as a leader. You'll get, pr- you'll get proud and you'll walk away. You'll fall like Satan. Satan is trying to get people to focus on the gift. And we are called to focus on Jesus. Okay? I, I just need us to do that. Otherwise, we look at prophets or some preachers and teachers who are like, Wow! And then I pray it doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen for everyone. But when they stumble, and they do, too many Christians have built their faith on that person instead of the Jesus that person was meant to be pointing us to. Now, when they fall, like you guys know, the last couple of years has been brutal on Christianity, popular Christians. It's tough. I get that it hurts. It's normal that it hurts. But it shouldn't take someone out of church. It shouldn't take someone out of their relationship with Jesus because my relationship with Jesus shouldn't be hinged on that person pointing me to Jesus. But he's just shining a light. She's just shining a light. I'm meant to be seeing Jesus clearer. And that is what I'm looking for in a preacher. That is what I'm looking for in a prophet. Other than just specifics, more than specifics, I'm like, who's pointing me to Jesus? Who's submitted to the Lordship of Christ? That's what I want. And His Word. Took me longer than I thought. Um, And His Word. His Word is perfect. 
His Word is powerful. The Word of God is powerful. Not a single message or a single prophecy should be contrary or addition to His Word. It should only be bringing it out. It should only be championing it. And just to help us as well, sometimes we go back to that exciting thing. People are like, oh yeah, but it's just the Word. I'm looking for a prophetic Word that's fresh and new. I think I told you guys once, I heard this horrific thing about 10 years ago. A pastor said to me, oh, I didn't speak to them again. It was just offensive. What you hear in worship from God, in a worship service like today, if you felt God put something on your heart, well, that trumps Scripture. Because that is now. That's what God's doing now. Where Scripture's thousands of years old. I was so offended. And I couldn't talk logic into this person. I was like, I just, we're done. Everything you feel in worship needs to be submitted to God's Word. And if I'm honest, I would rather read five words from the Bible than hear 10,000 prophetic words. Because everything else is just meant to back this up. Champion this. It's there. It's perfect. Now, I've had some amazing prophetic words that weren't verses, but they fitted with the spirit of Scripture. See what I'm saying there? You know, I believe God wants to give you prophetic words about what you're going through now, what you're going to go through, what you've been through that you haven't got an answer on yet. I fully believe. I've seen prophecies come to pass that were accurate and helpful. Brilliant. But it should have the spirit of the Word of God. It should be submitted to the Word of God. It shouldn't be random. Oh, I see this tension in your world. So God's telling you to leave your spouse and go and find love somewhere else. No. I just rebuke you. No, right? Because that isn't submitted to the Word of God, that Word. I'm trying to help. Okay. Submitted to Jesus, submitted to His Word. Second thing, submitted to a local church. Now, this is where it gets weird for a pastor to preach like this. So anyway, I want you to see the biblical truth here. It's actually quite powerful. Look at this. Do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them. Who's the you he's writing to? A church, not a person. But he, the singular has plurality. He's like, hey, don't believe everyone. Don't believe everything that's preached. I've said this to you guys before. Uh, don't believe everything I preach. If it seems off, just go to the Bible. Prove me wrong, not your emotions or something else. I'm not perfect. The Bible is. And we collectively, I, I'm... We're creating, we've got this team leading the church. As I said, the reason I'm not alarmed going away on long service, there's a team. We trust it. We pray that, look, at you must test it um, to see it comes from God. I put 1 Corinthians 14 there as well. This, this is a whole chapter on tongues and prophecy and working in the church. But look at this. Let two or three people prophesy and let the others evaluate what is said. That's like the authority God gives to the local church. And Paul's like, hey, we're all for prophecy here, but we're also going to wait on the Holy Spirit to see whether it's from Him or not. And how cool is that? <laughs> That's the authority of the local church. Okay, there's a few things here. I, I want us to catch. The authority shouldn't just rest with Han and I. It should rest with a team, okay? So Tuesday night, we're having a board meeting with the board for two hours discussing finances, things we're about to do, people, legals, policies, procedures. Why? Because I don't want to be a lone wolf. I don't want to do it by myself. There's, there's beauty in a board. And then we're having a leaders meeting uh, with all the volunteers August 3rd. 
I'm sitting with the Sozo leaders last month. We're praying. What's God putting on our heart? What's God doing to us as a church? Why? Because He leads us. There's a spiritual authority for a local church. Look at this. In Paul and Barnabas, before they went out, had to have hands laid on them by the elders and then they were sent out. Paul tells Timothy, as I said before, in 2 Timothy 1, fan into flame the gift that was given to you through the laying on of hands. So the leaders gave a gift. It gets weird here. You ready for this one? 1 Corinthians 5, Paul tells the Corinthian church to remove a man that is living in horrendous, unrepentant sexual sin. There's a guy having sex with his stepmom. It's in the Bible. And Paul's like, what the heck are you tolerating it for? Literally, because this guy's not repenting. He doesn't see it as an issue. And Paul's advice to the church, he's like, you should remove him. Hand him over to Satan. But then in 2 Corinthians, we see now Paul saying, now it's time to reinstate him. It's a beautiful biblical gospel outplaying of what does correction and reconciliation look like. But that's the authority of a church, right? How cool is that? So when I'm hearing certain, there's this stuff happened at the start of this year with some people I really love. And anyway, I'm like, what's going on? Where did you hear that? And they're like, oh, this prophet on Instagram gave us a word. It just sat with us. I'm like, okay, fair enough, a prophet on Instagram. So I went to look into this guy and I asked other pastors on the Gold Coast that I really respect. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that person. Yeah, they were going to this church and they got really offended at the church. They're not going to church anymore. And I'm like, I just, I'm not saying the person's evil. I'm just saying I'm probably not going to put myself under a word right now that's coming out of that. Is that. Do you get what I'm saying? But then there's people not even submitted here, but they're prophets and submitted and teachers submitted to a local church. And I want to hear what they've got to say. They're pointing me to Jesus. This guy's saying, there's many false prophets out there. And just so you know how to trust them, how to deal with it, you guys, pray about it. See if it's something that God's putting on all your hearts. I'm praying. I'll finish soon, sorry. I'm praying and I'm confident in this. I can't preach First John perfectly. So I keep praying before every Sunday, Holy Spirit, can you bring revelations that I can't even teach? Because that's what God does to us. Cool. All right, and I'll finish with this. So submitted to the Lordship of Christ and His Word, submitted to a local church, and I want, I want a teacher and a prophet that are submitted to their own humanity. Verse 1, this whole thing just starts with, just don't believe everyone <laughs> who claims to speak by the Spirit. It's like, just, just don't. Um, I have felt in the past words impressed on my heart for someone. And I always start it with, hey, I'm feeling this. But if it doesn't feel right with you, Don't worry about it. Or if you're unsure, take it away and pray about it for a while. I want to submit my prompting of a prophetic word to my humanity because I'm not going to get it right all the time. As I said with my preaching, I'm like, if something doesn't sit right with you, go to the Word of God and see why not. Wrestle with it. Get your own revelation about that passage. Maybe something today you disagree with me on. Cool. Go to the Bible. Go to the Word of God. But I'm always like, nervous, really nervous when I see someone so matter-of-fact give a prophetic word. Thus saith the Lord, you will do this and you will not do this. I'm like, oh, it's pretty, it's pretty black and white. And I don't know if I ever want to say thus says the Lord if it's not in Scripture. 
I just don't back myself that much. I don't think anyone should. <laughs> so some practical things. If you are here, because we want to encourage gifts, especially within a Sozo group context. We want to encourage gifts to be attempted, grown in, worked out, manifest, learn about it. So some really simple steps if you're taking notes and you aren't sure if you're hearing from God or not. Number one, start with, just start with this. If you feel a prompt for someone, start with, encourage them with a specific verse. That's my encouragement to you is step one. That's number one, right? Point one is submitted to the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 14, in that whole chapter about prophecy in tongues, in verse 3, 1 Corinthians 14, 3, it says, I don't think I gave, oh, I did give it. One who prophesies, look at this, strengthens others, encourages others, comforts others. If you're not sure if you've got the gift or not, start there. Start with a verse for someone, strengthen them, encourage them, comfort them. Because worst case, it wasn't God. And you've still comforted them and strengthened them with Scripture. <laughs> I, um, I know I always go off topic. Quick story. I was, uh, start of the year, we always do a pass, the senior pastor of the Gold Coast do a 24 hours together. It's a beautiful time of prayer, talking about what's happening in our city. Um, one of my great mates, such a great guy. Um, I'll say him because he's just a legend. Bruce Ward. He pastors Genesis Church. Just lo- he's just kind, wonderful guy. I love the guy. And he had some um, questions and some, you know, some big feelings going into this, this week. And he's just there and we're praying together. And this other pastor he'd never met just said, I don't know why, but I'm getting this verse for you. And he just said the verse and that's it. Bruce just starts weeping. He goes, I was umming and ahhing whether I'm still called to stay here in this role. And he goes, that was the verse the day God told me to take the church on. It's stuff like that. Just step out of the boat. Just go for it. Because even if it's not God, you've still just encouraged someone with the Bible, right? So start with that. Start by encourage someone with the Word of God. Second thing, and I'm finishing with this, sorry, just literally encouraging you. Second thing, bring a mentor into it. Bring a sozo leader into it. Hey, you know, I was in church the other day in worship and I kind of felt this picture or this verse, or I felt this person, or I had a thought for this person. If it's of God, it won't expire in seven days. <laughs> it's not cheap milk, okay? <laughs> if it's of God, go away for a week and pray about it with your sozo leader. See if they feel peace on it as well. If you do, come and bring it next Sunday to that person. Awesome? It's practical things. Bring someone into it. And then final thing, always Always bring your humanity into it. Just be, just be that gracious, please. If you feel a word and come back next week, just say that, hey, I felt this last week on a Sunday. If it doesn't sit right with you, that's totally fine. But I've just had this on my heart all week. Bring your humanity into it. Then we can see what God's doing. Amen? Sometimes people are like, do you mind if I get up and give a word? And I'm like, you barely come to church. You're not listening to a sozo leader and you're not studying the word. Probably not just now. But I do want you to long term. So step one, come to church. Step two, go to a Sozo group. <laughs> Step three, practice the gift in the group. Um, I know I'm going over time quickly. Okay, so in Acts 12, 11 or 12, we read about a guy called Agabus. 
Agabus was a prophet, but guess what? His prophetic word wasn't weird or vague or selfish. It was really clear. And it was, hey guys, a famine is coming. And guess what? A famine came. <laughs> and so Agabus now has, he's growing in his gift, right? So later in Acts, forgetting the chapter, apologies, 21, 22, somewhere around there. It's pretty clear. It's pretty nuts. Agabus goes up to Paul, throws a belt around him. And he's like, whoever is wearing this belt is about to go to Jerusalem and die as a prophet of God. And Paul says, I know. <laughs> God told me too. And so, so they wept and they literally begged Paul not to go to Jerusalem, but he felt it was God calling him there. So he went, see the gift growing? Agabus tried it back here. He, he was growing in this gift. So now in Acts 20, when you bring a pretty full on word like that, he's got runs on the board. He's been practicing that gift. And we just want you to grow in it as well. Big picture, submitted to Jesus, championing the local church, always humble. Cool. Can we pray? God, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we, we also thank you for this age we live in of YouTube and Instagram and podcasts. Uh, we thank you for the, the many gifted preachers and prophets out there. We praise you for them, Lord. We also recognize the temptation to be known. So some people putting their own name forward or focusing on fame more than you. So God, we're not praying for them. Right now I pray for us, myself, everyone here. Help us when we listen to someone to look for your prophetic voice through people. Whoever it is. You spoke through a donkey once, Lord. You can do whatever you want. But Lord, help us to look for your voice. The still, small voice of God in every preacher, in every prophet. Lord, I pray, I pray, pray that we would find people who make much of Jesus. That we would find people who help us love Jesus more. We would find people who help us love the local church more. And we would find people so humble so humble and aware that this gift is a free gift from you and you're doing the work, you're bringing the word, you're bringing the freedom and healing, you're bringing the revelation. Help us find these people, Lord. And in the midst of it all, help us find you and your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. The kind of leaders I want us to all be is before that, but this is where there was just a revival in LA in uh, I think it was Pasadena and uh, William Seymour. Incredible story. But the thing I always love the stories, you talk about thousands and thousands and thousands of people impacted by what's going on there. And William Seymour would sit in the corner with a box on his head while God's doing all this crazy stuff. He'd sit over in the corner with a box on his head saying, I don't want to take the credit for this. Let us be a church who does that. I want you to grow in your gift. Yeah, bring a box next week. <laughs> I'm not here. <laughs> I want us to be a church where every one of you know that you have a gift of the Holy Spirit. And I want us to be clear as well that your gift isn't for your glory. It's for someone else. So I want you to discover and grow in your gift.
and I want us to give all the praise and the glory to God for what he's doing in our church. Amen? We love you, Lord.